How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with the boys, Alex and Ryan. Today we're discussing the shortstop position battle with Isaiah Connor-Falefa, Oswald Peraza, and a little bit of Anthony Volpe in the mix. Now, when you're looking at IKF, a couple of reports coming out, specifically Brian Cashman having some interesting things to say about Isaiah Connor-Falefa and his future with this team and potentially his future on another team because, you know, part of what he had to say was essentially teams have been calling this winter about IKF. They want to see what he's uh, his price tag is they want to see if they can get him. And right now, it seems like the Yankees are kind of planning to pin him against Peraza and create this position battle that should offer both players an opportunity to rise to, you know, expectations or rise above expectations. Um, and I think psychologically, this is the right thing to do. There's no reason to trade IKF now. Um, that before the season even starts, I think allowing them to fight it out and, and have this position battle will actually boost IKF's value because I think he's going to try and put together a really good spring and hopefully, you know, another team's convinced, oh, wait, this guy's actually pretty good. He's playing really well. Maybe he learned a lot last year. Maybe he's gotten better and maybe they can, you know, leverage that into a more um, prominent haul, which will be small to begin with. We'll discuss that, kind of what his value is right now, but also, you know, our projections for Peraza, how we think this shortstop battle is going to unfold. And now Cashman's kind of playing a game right now to try and get, you know, as much quality out of both of those shortstops as possible, despite the fact that Anthony Volpe will be in the mix. I don't expect him to be starting come opening day, and we'll kind of discuss that as well, Ryan. But before we dive into it, how do you do tonight, my friend? I'm doing great. You know, I, I 100% agree with what you mentioned with Volpe, where it's like he's going to be in the competition, he's going to be in the mix, but in all likelihood, he'll benefit from starting out in AAA. I think the Yankees recognize that. Um, I think they, they really like Peraza. I think Peraza's kind of like, you know, there, there's not there's nothing really wrong with starting Peraza, right? And, and if all, things go the way the Yankees plan, ultimately Peraza ends up the shortstop and Volpe the second baseman, right? You know, uh, if Peraza pans out and he's as good of a defender as they claim him to be, which I, I see no reason why we should think otherwise— you know, why would the Yankees move Volpe to shortstop and, and Peraza second base? It doesn't really make much sense defensively. Um, but, you know, how ICAF fits into this is uh, he's very obviously the guy that's got to get dealt, right? The Yankees, uh, we talked about this yesterday, the Yankees are right up at that luxury tax. If they want to make any improvements, not just now, but at the deadline, uh, without having to have the other team eat all the salary, which will cost you more prospects, you're going to need to deal like half. Um, You know, looking at the roster as well, Quite frankly, it would be a logjam situation. You know, you would be putting yourself in a, in a situation where if you wanted to call up Volpe, you would have to either send out IKF or DFA him. Um, you know, and that, that means you're still paying him that $6 million and he's not contributing to you at the major league level. So, and quite frankly, the final thing that, you know, kind of deters me from wanting IKF on this roster is that it seems like this team really likes IKF. And I quite frankly cannot have a situation where Peraza's struggling two weeks into the season and IKF becomes a starter again. Um, no, I, I do not want that. I do not want any situation in which there is another player on the roster with a low ceiling like IKF that is going to threaten for starting time. That's going to, I think that would set. Uh, a lot of uh, our plans for the future back. I think it would severely limit the ceiling of this team. This team's ceiling is pretty high because they have so many young players. Now, that also means that they're going to be a high-variance team compared to last year's team, where last year's team had a lot of veterans. This year's team is going to be a lot younger. But that's the direction they should be taking. That's the direction you absolutely should be taking as, the org as an organization. And again, that $6 million, clearing $6 million off your payroll is massive. I don't care what the Yankees get back for IKF. As long as it's someone they don't have to put on the 40-man roster, I am not going to care what they get back for him. Um, I, I know a lot of people are going to you know, you know, feel as if that's kind of a, a foolish way of thinking about it, and I, I understand 
again that Brian Cashman has to feel out the market. That's his job to get the most value for IKF that he can. Uh, but as from a, from the perspective of looking at this team, you know, as we draw closer to the end of the offseason, um, quite frankly, the price tag I'm ask, asking for IKF is going to keep dropping. I I just not that I don't like the guy, not that I think he's a bad player, but you have there's a lot of opportunity cost in terms of what you can do in left field. There's opportunity cost in terms of you know. Uh, in a situation which Peraza struggles and you move to IKF to start instead of Volpe and you severely damage Peraza's confidence. And quite frankly, I just can't have, I need Oswald Peraza to know that he is going to be trusted to start full time. And same with Volpe. I cannot, I don't want a situation where neither of those guys are given that full length leash. Last year, the Yankees had troubles, you know, fully committing to the rookies. We can't have that anymore, right? You want to take that step forward. You want to be Houston Astros. You want to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. You want to be the Atlanta Braves. Enough of that. They have to push forward and say, we're going to lean into our youth. Enough of low ceiling veterans. This is what we're going with. Absolutely. When you're looking at kind of the situation at shortstop, having that veteran experience in IKF there is not a bad thing for spring training because, you know, he knows what to expect. We know what to expect from him. He knows what to expect from the game and playing shortstop and whatever it might be. And, you know, Cashman consistently kind of comes to the defense of players that otherwise could be on the trade block and could be on the way out relatively soon, as you kind of noted there. Um, you know, look at Aaron Hicks, you look at Josh Donaldson, he continuously promotes them, continuously stands by them. And at the same time, all we do is hear reports about how they're trying to offload them. So the 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 funniest thing, and you know, this is how the Yankees operate is like they boost their players up, especially ones that have big contracts that aren't living up to the potential and then trades them away. And it's like the, the two sided effect here. We all see through the bullshit, right? Like, it's not like it's a, they're, they're confusing any of us. Like we all get it. Like they're trying to boost the players. And I imagine other general managers are trying to do the same thing. Um, and this is just part of the game, but you know, according to Joel Sherman, this is what, you know, Cashman said that direct quote, Ultimately, we're just not ready to make those type of commitments regarding um, trading Isaiah Conor-Falefa right now. He says, we do like Conor-Falefa. We think there's value there. I know that other teams that are contending knocked on our door about Conor-Falefa this winter as well. And we do have those young pups that we are really excited about pushing up the ladder. But that doesn't mean we have to make any commitment to anybody in December or January. What does that tell me? They want that position battle to unfold naturally. They want IKF, Oswald Peraza, and Anthony Volpe to battle it out and let the best man win because we all think Peraza is going to win this job, right? He is going to be a gold glove level shortstop you know, infielder, in my opinion. I think that's absolutely in the cards for him if he can maintain you know, his offense and really help in that respect. I think that the, the Yankees could find themselves one of the best defensive shortstops in the game with Oswald Peraza if he reaches his ex expectations and reaches that um, elevation that we hope he can get to. But his offensive metrics are the one big, like, what if for him. He has more pop in his bat. I think, you know, steamer projections have him only eating eight homers next year, but I think they're also giving him, like, a smaller sample size of games that he actually plays. If he plays, you know, as a regular starter for three quarters of the season, I think he cracks 10 homers easily. Um, they, his stats from last year were tremendous. He had, like, 300 with a 40% on base rate. Obviously, 57 plate appearances is not much to really consider. Um, next year, they have that kind of dipping, like, a pretty decent amount, like 10% in both categories, maybe 5% in the batting average. Maybe, yeah, I think 5% in the batting average and 10% in the on-base percentage. So, you know, those numbers are going to dip. They do have them at 104 WRC+, plus, which is still very solid. So Jeremy Pena ended with, I think he was at 105 a WRC+, plus last season for the Houston Astros, and he was a prominent figure, won the MVP of the World Series. You just never know when these players are going to rise to the occasion. Um, but it's awesome to see 
that they're really using IKF as a positive. You know, it could be, it's so easy to sit here and be like, they could use IKF as a negative and really just have him sit on the bench and not and not consider him and not give him an opportunity. I love the fact that they're giving him an opportunity. Why? It's going to bring the best out of Volpe and it's going to bring the best out of Peraza and competition brings the best out of everybody. These guys are professional athletes. They crave this. They create, they crave the opportunity to prove their worth. Volpe, I remember hearing a story a couple of weeks ago about Volpe and his dad was like, you know, son, you got to take a break. Like you're putting your body through too much. You got to rest, you know, slow Sleep in, like do whatever you got to do. And Volpe was like, yeah, you know, I got it. I'll do it. Cashman calls him up that same day and says, by the way, you have an opportunity to compete for the starting job this spring. His dad goes to his room to see if he's still sleeping. He was gone at four in the morning working out. You know what I mean? That's the type of players, the players that we got climbing this this freaking ladder right now. Guys that want it bad. Guys that see the opportunity. They want to grasp it and not let go. IKF has his work cut out for him. You know, this isn't going to be like he's a veteran. You know, he's a consistent contact hitter. He can make some rangy plays every now and then, especially with the, the shift being banned. Those rangy infielders are definitely going to be more valuable. But Peraza and Volpe have that range too, in my opinion, and probably much better arms and much more consistency. IKF's probably going to lose this battle, not because he's not talented enough, but because Peraza and Volpe want it so much more. Um, so I'm really excited to see. But, you know, Ryan, let's talk about Volpe for a second. I know a lot of people are saying, you know, he needs more time in AAA. He's got, he, you know, he just needs more time to refine his game. You know, you look at guys from last year, Julio uh, Rodriguez, there's some of these young rookies that elevated 21 years old, really young, same age as Volpe. Who's to say he doesn't elevate right now and really make that impact? And if he does look really good and Peraza looks really good, how do you leave both of them out of the equation? You know, IKF's obviously an odd man out, but what happens to Glaber Torres in this situation? Do you go with Volpe if he's kicking ass during spring training and you try to trade Glaber or you're like, you know, maybe Volpe just fills more of a supplementary role to start the season? You know, how do you see this unfolding if both those guys kick ass? Yeah, so, you know, it, it'll, be a, it'll be an interesting situation for sure because you look at Anthony Volpe and, you know, when we're talking just talent level, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, talking about this from a perspective of who are the best players or who are the best talents uh, in the middle infield. Volpe is number one on that list. Uh, Glaber Torres included, DJ LeMahieu included, all those guys included. The most talented player on that infield is Anthony Volpe. Think about the the, the base running ceiling. The, the defense is pretty good. Um, the, the bat is obviously pretty good. Uh, he's a really good all-around player, right? And that is going to translate to a lot of wins by replacement. I think Volpe is going to be an absolute war machine, right? You know, uh, that's a guy who just is naturally going to do very well in the metric. He doesn't really have a flaw to his game. Not that he excels in everything, anything to the extent where it's generational. Like, he doesn't have a generational hit tool, doesn't have a generational power tool, isn't like Oswald Peraza defensively, you know, isn't going to, you know, become Ricky Henderson on the base paths. But he does everything so well that um, I just have a hard time looking at anyone else in that Ross and saying they're more talented than Anthony Volpe. Uh, but... But I think Michael Kay said this as well in that same story, in that kind of same uh, segment where you mentioned the story about Peraza, not Peraza, Volpe and how, you know, he refuses. He's just tenacious. He refuses to take a break. Um, But he mentioned that, you know, what what is it in spring training that the Yankees are going to see that will change their mind from what was not the best start to your career in AAA? Not saying that that start in AAA is indicative of his future success, but it's clear that he needs a little bit of time, right? What can you show in spring training that'll convince the Yankees otherwise? Um, that's, I think, honestly, I don't know, right? I don't know what metrics the Yankees value when they're evaluating making the roster. You know, I thought Oswaldo Cabrera last year, kind of in terms of um, 
where he stood in the farm system is very similar to where Volpe stands now, where like Cabrera had a legitimate shot to make the team, but I don't think the Yankees wanted to rush him. And then I think Volpe has a legitimate shot to make the team, but I don't think the Yankees want to rush him either. Um, so, you know, if you ask me who's the most talented player on the roster, who's the guy who, you know, could go out there and have a four plus war year and kind of sleepwalk to it almost, uh, it's Anthony Volpe, right? But if you're asking me, you know, do I want the Yankees to rush Anthony Volpe? Um, my answer to that question is going to be no, right? Uh, my answer to that question is going to be, I, I think he should spend some time at AAA, but who knows, right? In spring training, he goes out there and I, I see him, you know, hit a 111 mile per hour double into the gap. Like that would first off be like his career best and max exit velocity. And, and number two, I'd be like, okay, never mind. I have to reconsider my opinion on that. Cause suddenly he'd have like the best power in the infield raw power wise. Um, and, and then you have a gr- really good shortstop, in my opinion, as you mentioned, defensively, excellent. Uh, you know, Oswald Peraza is good enough. Like I, I don't think there's going to be any issues with him. Um, you know, and, and then you have already Glaber, you already have LeMahieu, you already have Donaldson, you already have Rizzo. Like I don't view this as a situation where the Yankees desperately need Anthony Volpe on opening day. If it was a situation where, you know, the exam shortstop or Glaber Torres was traded, we're having a different conversation, but um, I, I think they have enough veteran talent at the major league level that they can give Volpe that month or two at AAA and, and really make sure he's ready for the major league level. Uh, but he's definitely someone that, you know, I, I, I mentioned Marcus Simeon, you know, Marcus Simeon's one of those guys where like, he's a second baseman. He trans, he transit, he transitioned from shortstop and he's consistently, even last year, he had like a sub 110 WRC plus and finished with a, a war well above four, right? Uh, because he's just so good at everything, right? He's He's a really good base runner. He's a he's an excellent uh, he's an excellent defensive second baseman. Um, you know he's a pretty good hitter. Like he finished thirty second in WAR last year with a one hundred seven WRC plus. Like he's just he plays so much. He I think they're extremely similar, right? Both of them don't have really impressive max exit velocities. Last year it was his career best at one ten, but before that it was one hundred nine. Like it isn't like a guy who goes out there and hits the absolute crap out of the ball. Both aren't you know he has a two fifty five average and a two eighty seven uh, bat bit because he's a fly ball hitter. Very similar to Anthony Vol. Both have above average walk rates. Both don't strike out. Both are good base runners. Like these are, in my opinion, this is the perfect comp for Anthony Volpe. If Anthony Volpe has a Marcus Simeon uh, career, uh, you know, not the beginning necessarily, but more so kind of going out there and being a consistent, you know, really good base runner, really good defender uh, and hitting enough to be a top 30 player. Like that's an absolute success. And I think that's totally in, in line for what Anthony Volpe can be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, so I was doing some research this morning, you know, trying to find things and positive things on um, Isaiah Connor falefa specifically. So, you know, I stumbled across a really interesting stat. You know, we always talk about, you know, the the lackluster defense, the, and, you know, he's really just a contact hitter and, and it's weak contact for that matter. But he's one of the few Yankees that actually performed quite well with runners in scoring position. Um, and I, I found it pretty interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the numbers and I'm like, you know, I've seen a lot of negative stuff. And even on paper, like there's some positives, but you're looking, it's like, okay, where can I find some value here? Where can I find some positives about this guy's game? And then I stumble across these stats and I'm like, you know what? ICAF was pretty good with RISP. You know, he hit 327 with a 362 OBP. Um, he had a home run, 43 RBIs, eight walks, and only struck out 12 times. You know, this is a player that continuously comes up in big moments and actually makes things happen, which I found to be really interesting. Like, what there has to be something to be said, and, and we're very critical of Donaldson. We're very critical of IKF. We're very, very critical of players that are not performing to the expectations that we have as Yankee fans, and those are very high because we're Yankee fans. But there's something that has to be said about giving credit to players when they do do positive things. Um, and, and IKF performing well with runners in scoring position is one of those metrics that stands out to me. So I'll ask you this, um, Ryan. When you're looking at IKF, the quality he actually does curate in, 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 
in terms of contact hitting with runners on base. Do you think that's something that shouldn't go, you know, unnoticed? Because I don't know how confident I feel in Peraza and Volpe hitting with runners in scoring position at such a young age right now. I think they will get better. I think Volpe specifically is going to be electric in that category. Um, but the value that ICAF has there, do you think that's a selling point for him? If you're if you're Cashman, you're looking at, you know, maybe Peraza, Volpe, whoever wins that shortstop battle, ICAF's now on the trade market. Is that one of those things you're looking at and being like, hey, this guy actually hits in runners with runners on base? And maybe that's a metric that, you know, we should talk about a little bit more. Yeah, so, you know, the career trends would point to Isaiah kind of fluffa. Like, last year was really good for him runners in scoring position. The years prior, not so much. But one of the selling points is absolutely contact, right? He's going to at least put the ball in play, and, you know, he has really good contact skills. IKF has never had a problem with swinging and missing, right? That's never been an IKF issue. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, last year, IKF played to the back of his baseball card. You know, I, I really want to hammer this point of... Isaiah Kiner-Falefa last year wasn't a problem because of how he played. It was a problem because the Yankees uh, weren't willing to start playing Oswald Peraza when it was clear that Oswald Peraza had a higher ceiling and that he was ready to make uh, a splash to the major league level, especially when you call him up and you don't start him. That That's egregious. But Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is... Not like I don't think his stock changed much from last year, right? The only thing that changed is one less year of service time, which will uh, inherently lower his value on the trade market. But did he go from a you know a, a solid infielder to a bad infielder? Absolutely not. He went from a solid infielder to a solid infielder, right? I've talked about this before. The Yankees' defensive model really liked Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, right? I don't think that, that was not BS from Aaron Boone saying he's a good defender. Like that, legitimately, the organization's data. Uh, their defensive data says Isaiah kind of was a positive defender. And before people say all oh, the Yankees are stupid, you know, it's not like they know anything. You know, I can, I can tell you the Rays also view Isaiah kind of as a positive defender. And if we're going to sit here and say the Rays don't know what they're doing, um, you know, I, I think you'd look pretty silly saying that. So there is legitimate defensive value there. There are teams, you know, teams view Isaiah kind of as a positive defender. Um, the offense isn't going to be great, but we always know he's not going to hit like he's he, no one ever expects him to slug 500. Right. You know, never the expectation coming in he's a good base runner but bigger bases he can be a more aggressive base runner he's still 22 bases in 26 attempts last year i think that went under the radar um if you're moving around the infield second base shortstop third base he'll be fine you know he'll, he'll give you that versatility kind of think of it like a joey wendell type player right you know lower offensive ceiling but you know it's kind of the similar like plays all over the infield great defender uh you know shortstop you could say is an okay not great defender but third base and second base definitely excellent good base runner going to give you good contact skills, but not great slugging skills, and he's going to walk a lot. So um, I, I think the value is still there. There's still a team that needs Isaiah kiner Falefa, And quite frankly, uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I was concerned that the Yankees would actually start Isaiah kiner Falefa, I would be more inclined, or for the fact that Josh Donaldson's still here, So and, and the Yankees kind of need to move money. If money was an issue, I would be like, sure, Isaiah kiner Falefa, just keep him around. Like, there's nothing, you know, it's better depth than uh, what you currently have in-house. But, um, you know, because of the financial, you know, the financial constraints not saying the Yankees can't spend more but that they won't go over that luxury tax um you know that that that's really the big sell reason why the Yankees have to move IKF it's got nothing to do with like you know he can't be a utility guy he can't be a bench player so I'll ask you this you know is there an argument to make that getting rid of that six million dollars might be enough to bring in Jerickson Profar would you be willing to let's say if they can't find a way to offload Josh Donaldson which is pretty likely in my opinion because of all the baggage and just the money that he's owed um, do you think that there's a realistic situation where the Yankees are like, okay, you know, we don't really want IKF featuring at shortstop. Like, why not have Volpe be that backup? Like, you know, call him up. Like, he's he has so much more potential than IKF. It's not even a question. So, you know, is there an argument to make that maybe offloading 
IKF leads to signing Profar, which may actually upgrade left field. Is the is the upgrade in left field you going with Profar? You could even put Oswaldo Cabrera at shortstop as a supplementary piece if you needed to. But is there a, is there an argument to make that like you know Profar's value in left field is more than IKF's value at shortstop? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I believe that is the case. And if it's not even pro far, even if the Yankees just get depth, like if the Yankees sign David Peralta, who I know they're in contact with, you know, that's better than not having any depth at the left field position, right? You know, and that's kind of the way I view things where it's like you have an abundance of infielders. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, if, if it comes down to it, Oswaldo Cabrera can play shortstop. He's an excellent defender at shortstop. This is not like a a, a guy, you're, you're, you know, like a Glaber Torres situation. This is a really good defensive shortstop. Um, and, and, you know, if Peraza struggles, that opens the gate for Volpe. Uh, you know, if the Yankees want to throw a couple million dollars at David Peralta with the money that they just, you know, shed with IKF, like, sure. Please you know no. what I mean? Like, I don't like we're, Peralta. We're at He's the so point. freaking washed. <laughs> he's a mediocre player. Like he's a mediocre player, but like he's at this so point in the mediocre. off season, it, we're at the point in the off season where I would say getting some form of depth, at least to cover your butt at the position, is better than doing nothing. Just because, like, worst case scenario, yeah. Peralta gives you like you can platoon him against righties and have Cabrera hit against lefties or whatever. However you want to do things, it's in my opinion, it's better than doing nothing. And I, I the way I see this too is like. Worst case, like the Yankees probably, I, I imagine that's not the way the Yankees go. I mean, also it's another, the another, the other avenue the Yankees may go is try to go through trade, and you can't, you literally cannot afford Max Kepler uh, because you don't yeah. want to go over the luxury tax. So that's another situation where that can't happen unless the Yankees move IKF. Profar can't happen unless the Yankees move IKF. Peralta cannot happen if, unless the Yankees move IKF. So uh, it, whatever would. Whether it's getting a starting left fielder, which would be pro for a Kepler to me, or getting a, a bench bat like Peralta, none of that is going to happen unless the Yankees are able to move those $6 million, uh, which is, is kind of unfair to IKF because it's more negative press to him that I don't think is his fault, but it's kind of just how it is at this point. I mean, it's not his fault because at the end of the day, IKF was never supposed to be a long-term solution. He was, he was always a stopgap, and he was a third baseman before the Yankees kind of forced him to play shortstop. So, you know, right now I kind of feel like the Yankees are, are playing the psychological game with their youngsters. They just want this position battle. IKF, you know, isn't a necessary piece on this team because Volpe and Peraza exist, because Oswald Cabrera can play that utility role. And for what it's worth, David Peralta does not move the needle at all. I know you would agree with that. So, like, he doesn't actually do anything for us. And, you know, he had 12 homers last year. All of them came with Arizona. Um, you know, what do you have, a 31% on base rate? Like, he's not going to get on base a ton. He's got a, some slugging, but I'd rather Cabrera start at left field than, than David Peralta get reps. Like, I'd rather just platoon Hicks and Cabrera than have David Peralta and pay him to be just as good as that. You know, like, I think Hicks had better numbers than him last year, aside from the power metrics. I think, I think he got on base at, you know, 2% more. And, you know, it's like you're, you're talking about the needle does not actually move at all with Peralta. Um, but with that being said, I kind of feel as though if you're going to go big, you got to go big. You know, you, you, you can't go and just get like Profar is not big. He's not a big acquisition, but he moves the needle a little bit. You know, Peralta just keeps it right where it is. So that's kind of my take. I think, you know, I agree with you in the sense that Profar is more valuable to left field than, than um, IKF is to shortstop, which is probably the argument that, Cashman's asking himself right now is debating with himself but they're playing this right for for once or maybe not once but occasionally the Yankees are doing a really good job right now not selling early because IKF has value to the youngsters because of what he's going to get out of them because of the position battle after that's done and Peraza ends up winning it which I think will happen 
IKF's value becomes getting Jerks and Profar. And right now, if Profar want, if, if a team wanted to sign Profar, he'd be off the board already. He'd be gone. There's clearly not a huge market for left fielders right now. The Yankees are one of the few teams that need that are looking to acquire one, and Profar might be asking for too much. By the time they trade IKF, if Profar hasn't signed anywhere else yet, his contract's going to be pretty easy uh, to, to consume and add on to the books. He's not going to make a ton of money. I know he signed what, a three-year, $21 million deal, um, so $7 million a year, and they didn't even want to pick up his, his options. So you're probably looking at paying him maybe the same maybe you're paying him six million dollars maybe you just literally replace him with ikf and and you walk into the sunset with an actual needle mover um at least to to a degree but guys i'd love to your perspectives on this you know a lot of discussion about ikf some of these individual players in this podcast episode in this segment always happy to hear perspectives below in the youtube comments make sure to like and subscribe as always and we'll catch you guys on the next fireside yankees episode